Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. So a long time ago, my friend Rich Eisen says, hey, you have to see this movie Waiting for Guffman. It's like right up your alley. It's, it's stuff you would say. It's stuff you would think. So I watch it like that night and fell in love immediately. And I said, like, wait a minute, that's the Spinal Tap guy. I start researching like what the hell's going on. And then I became this huge fan of Christopher Guest, the director and writer and, and, and many other things he does. Fly fishing, I learned. He likes that too. Um, so some years later, I was in Los Angeles and I was thinking I was shooting a commercial or something. And I had a driver. They give you a driver on those things. And I... I brought up Christopher Guest for some reason. I don't know why, if I'd just seen another movie of his or something. He says, I just drove him yesterday. I said, oh my, you're kidding. He's like, like you know, I try to model after him, not steal, but, you know, his dead airs is what I'm trying to achieve. And he gives me Christopher Guest's phone number, which was kind of a dick move by him, but I'm a hustler, and I, I never turn down when a kid gets a hold of me, hey, Mr. Maine, how do you do such and such? I always respond because I pretty much made a career of asking favors. You know, John Legend, will you sing me a song? You know, Ben Stiller, will you do, you know, two minutes on camera to help my main event football story this week? So what the hell I call Christopher Guest, and he couldn't have been kinder. I don't know how he knew who I was, if he's a sports fan, I don't know any relationship there, but he took my call, he took a few minutes, he gave me great advice, it was highly appreciated. And then a whole bunch of years later, when I went to leave ESPN in those final weeks, he sends this email, and I wasn't sure who it was, um, and I said, is that really the Christopher Guest? And he says, that is me. And he just wrote the kindest, sweetest little remark that kind of, you know, set me forward when I was leaving ESPN. Then along comes the idea of doing a podcast. And we made this list of, of you know, people we thought we could get or maybe get. And he fell in kind of the middle category, didn't know how he'd respond. But he said, of course. And so here's Christopher Guest. That was a warm and long introduction. But thank you for, for being part of this. It's my pleasure to be here. Are you working on something right now? You, you didn't say, hey, you have to plug such and such, but is there something we should know about that we don't know about? You know, I, I am working on something. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to talk about it or not. Um, Go ahead. Uh, 
I'm not sure if I'm supposed to talk about sure. it. No one said not to talk <laughs> about it, but no one said talk about it. Um, I'm doing, I'm working on a project, it'll be semi-mysterious, with Elvis Costello and T-Bone Burnett. I interrupt my own program for an audio fix here. I believe Christopher Guest more or less hinted strongly that he's remaking Spinal Tap. The news would come out a few days later from this interview you're hearing that was recorded in early May. A good trait of a good interviewer is to be a good listener. And I failed everyone. I failed society and I should have followed up. And that's the wind as we were recording this audio fix in my backyard, very NPR, Nat Soundfield. Just listen to the wind for a minute. It's beautiful, isn't it? Well, it's prettier than the way I interviewed Chris Guest when he essentially told me what was going on and I was too stupid to pick up on it. And then he's like, I'm not gonna go out of my way to spoon feed you. I was doing my best. I was trying to help your stupid show out and you blew it. Let's continue now with the interview with Chris Guest where I mostly sometimes listen to him. Hold on, before we rejoin the interview with Chris Guest, I emailed him after making the fix that I just did and told him how stupid I felt. And he wrote back, the film is only being discussed at this point. So hold on to your hats, people. It's, it might happen, it might not happen, but what will happen is the continuation of my interview with Christopher Guest. We had Jamel Hill as a guest and she tripped over herself to say, yeah, I'm also releasing a book. So we're breaking news here on this podcast. Yes. I'm also releasing a book. Is that what I'm supposed to Are say? Are you? No. Oh. Okay. That's fine. No, I, I was asked to do a, uh, how do you say in America, a memoir. And uh, I said, well, okay, can I make it up? And they said, yes. And then they had me in a corner. So I just, uh, I went home. I didn't, I haven't decided what to do yet. But. So this leads right where I was going, because right now I don't know if that was a true story or a joke. It could be either, and either way it's funny. I'm not doing a hell of a lot of research for this podcast, but I'm not entirely lazy either. So with any guest, I, you know, do a little speculative research, make sure I'm catching the latest right. project, that kind of, I did not know until late last night that you come from special British blood in addition to American blood. Can you explain all that and the extra name you have? Oh, the extra name. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it special blood. <laughs> I have normal blood, as, as does everyone has the same blood, it turns out. Um, it's a an oddity. Uh, I'm half English. I have I had dual nationality my whole life, and uh, it happens due to uh, an accident of birth that I am uh, have inherited a, an English title, and that's what you're probably referring yeah. to. Yeah, it's a pretty cool title. Well, it's a title that you don't get to use in this country uh, because there's no point, and you would get slapped pretty, pretty hard. Uh, it's the right Honorable the Lord Hayden Guest, fifth Baron of Sailing in the County of Essex is the actual thing, rather than just saying, hey, Chris, that's what that would be. It's a lot more verbiage to get on a business card. Um, the Queen of England came to America 
I believe it was 2007 because Street Sense won the Kentucky Derby. I used to follow horse racing, cover horse racing. Mm-hmm. So I wanted a picture with the queen as well as I could make that picture be. And so I just kind of kept scooting forward. She was probably 50 to 100 feet. But, you know, with the angle of the camera, it almost made us look like we were near each other. Somehow mm-hmm. I talked my ESPN bosses into sending me then to England and the joke was going to be, she came to America, now I'm going to England in an exchange program. And sure. they said yes, and we just rolled around London. I shook hands with British people, pretended I was some kind right. of dignitary. My official name right. is Kenneth Wheelock Main the Third, Eliezer Wheelock, who founded Dartmouth. I'm related to him somehow way back when. So mm-hmm. it's not the same, but you know, I feel like I have some aristocracy in my name as well. Well, you know, it's uh, it's a dangerous business to get into because it really is just people who were born into a thing, and uh, it doesn't really uh, add up to anything. Except in, I think in England, people some people are still uh, impressed by that in some way. Uh, it's just what it is, as they say. What do you think of the royal system? I I've personally been like, that's so weird that blood defines you, like you should earn it. But then you go over there, and I went to Royal Ascot, and I saw the queen come in on her carriage, and I was like, this is pretty cool. Like, there's something cool about it, even though it seems like history should have caught up with things. Well, I I think people in this country think it's cool, and that's why people watched uh, Downton Abbey, and I think people watch things where there are rich people uh, floating around. Uh, They're impressed by that in some way. It's it's a, an old uh, system, which, if you look at the roots of it, are not everything you would want it to be, let's say. I'll, I'll buy that. Um, do you remember that time that I called you from some kind of town car on the way to LAX? Or, or do you get so many of those calls uh, that you don't remember? You know, uh, I don't. <laughs> and, I don't and, and I'm being honest. I, I remember you contacting me and I had enjoyed your work from the very beginning on ESPN. And, uh, so it wasn't, I don't know. I I may have been surprised, but it was, uh, I I've always liked what you've done. So, um, what what kind of, there you go. What kind of sports were were you a sports center watcher? Were you up at 10 o'clock at night? Well, I, 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 I am a, I was a player, not the player that you would have talked about, obviously, because I was I played in school. I played uh, what they call soccer here. I played soccer. I played tennis. Uh, I was a ski racer in school, and then I played soccer in college. And I follow uh, almost every sport with the exception, I'm not trying to diss it, uh, I don't follow bowling, I would say. I don't really know much about bowling. Uh, but I follow almost every other sport. Do you and uh, do you know the famous Pete Weber, a bowler? The 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 line. I think it's about ten years old now. So he was being, I guess, mocked by the fans, or they were going after him as he needed this last strike to win the thing. And he hits the strike, and he screams out, "Who do you think you are? I am." That's not quite what he meant wow. to say, but it's become this thing well, that people yell because it's so ridiculous and such an incredible exclamation for doing something, you know, in victory. It's a perfect thing to, to yell out. I, you know, I respect the, anyone who does a sport, even though if I don't know anything about it, because it all takes a crazy amount of skill, obviously. Uh, I just don't know. I just don't happen to follow that. But 
I find it weird when some people, you know, they, they discriminate, but, you know, they look at certain sports and they say, well, that's not a thing. But it's, it, it is a thing. Everything's a thing, and it's hard. And uh, I have friends who say, well, you know, why do you play golf? That's just sort of crap or something. And you'd, I'd say, well, you know, Michael Jordan and all those baseball players would kill to be able to play golf well. And they don't really know what to say about that. But the fact is that I respect athletes and who do what they do well. What do you make yeah. of cricket? Well, what do I make like of cricket? Well, over here, it's over here being the U.S., it's absolutely inexplicable for, on a lot of levels. Uh, I've played cricket. I, I don't play it well, but it's, it's, it's a different situation. It has different customs. But there's a guy throwing a ball that hits off the ground and goes into your crotch, potentially, and you have to hit it. It's a flat bat. You know, it, it looks weird. Like a lot of other things look weird if you're if you don't watch them. You know, Indeed, or know about we them. we got to go to Lords Cricket. I don't know if the exact title Lords the grounds. Yeah, the gr- yeah Lord oh, Cricket. It grounds, was like know. yeah, it was the best. I got to throw, which they call bowling. So we we sure. learned a li- learned a little, not a lot. I was fascinated by it and also confused because even after I learned the rules and they broke it down. You know, on the plane home, I'm like, what the hell just happened? So Yeah. No, in the same way that I have, I have friends that don't understand from the UK, they don't understand baseball. I mean, it's absolutely baffling. They don't get what's going on. And okay, so you don't get it. But, you know, I, I try to keep an open mind about most things. You know. I heard your wife, Jamie Lee Curtis, being interviewed by Jimmy Kimmel, friend of mine. New knowledge for me also, that you love fly fishing. That's dear to your heart. Well, I I am a fly fisherman for a very long time. I started in the late 70s, and I tie flies, which is in the world of arcane things. That's one of them. I do a lot of flies. I tie a lot of flies. I do it a lot. I I still ski a lot. I do a lot of different things, you know, and... uh, but fly fishing is, yeah, one of my favorite. We things. did a story up in Maine, a place called Grand Lake Stream. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. of that or been there, but it's, it's way north of Bangor. It's a pretty cool place. And the point of the story was people going to fly fish over a weekend to kind of rebond, you know, like a father and son who'd gone, gone distant, and this was the, the bond. But I still needed to make it funny for my purposes, for what I was turning in. So I, sure. I decided to throw rocks at the people fly fishing, not hit them, but make big splashes right. nearby and that didn't go well with the fly fishing crew no 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 I, th- I think with anything you know that people you know you're out in a beautiful place wherever you are on a river and a lake or whatever it's it's serene you know you're doing your thing and then a guy comes along and throws rocks I mean it would be in you know I don't know if you play golf or yes or other sports but if you're in the middle of a backswing if someone makes a fart sound or something you you wouldn't at the moment you wouldn't think that was funny because they're sort of sabotaging your <laughs> your thing so uh i didn't see the thing you did but yeah no that would be the counter kind of thing to the exact point of what the other people are trying to do so i appreciate that you gifted as you are in that in that field of comedy you got my joke so so you might have laughed but also been like that was wrong i mean I shot a story with Sergio, the golf Sergio Garcia, and 
I was promoting the idea that, like, when my friends and I play back in Seattle, you get one yell per nine, exactly what you said. You're betting 10 bucks on the game or 20 bucks or whatever. You want to use your one yell in the backswing at an appropriate time to make the guy choke. I have, uh, I have great appreciation and respect for most rules of most sports, but there are certain times you're just being silly guys. You're out there doing something that's absurd. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't do that. That's not my thing. But uh, that's your own way of looking at that. It's, uh, it's a sport that has gone into a different area recently because of a, a certain event where they have people uh, imbibing at starting at five in the morning, and then they start throwing Phoenix. things, which has changed the thing. And you and some people say, well, it, this has got to loosen up a little bit. What are these people taking this so seriously? Why is why do we have to be quiet? Why can't we throw uh, gin bottles at them? I don't understand. Um, I think the problem is that they is it's gin bottles and not whiskey bottles. If they threw whiskey bottles, I, I guess that would be okay for them. But it you just then say, well, where's the boundary of the of this idea? You know, I, I oh no, I'm not advocating full chaos. I think fans should stay in their place, and, and this is just among friends out on the course. Um, yeah. So going back to the fly fishing, I take it you mentioned the hiking and the skiing. You you love nature. Uh, I do. I do. I like being out there. I camp out by rivers uh, and fish at the bottom of a canyon next to a river. And uh, I, I do. It's 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 quiet. And uh, I, yeah, I do like that. It's, it's something. I I'm like. sure you're familiar with Ken Burns. His his films are a little more sober than yours. But I, I'm hoping if, <laughs> if you don't know about this, I'm turning you on to it because it's one of my favorite things out there. It's a, one of his documentaries. It's about the national parks. It's called America's Best Idea. It's yeah. amazing. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. And I, I, I know Dayton Duncan, who writes uh, the films for him. And uh, yeah, and, and uh, it's it's a amazing thing in this country that you can go to these places and uh, millions of acres of, of open land. And at the same time, I mean, I'm at home in a studio playing guitar incredibly loud with a with a weird costume on so i i guess it's two different things <laughs> well I, i'm gonna hype you on my neck of the woods have you been to the some some of the great washington state places like the olympic national forest or mount rainier i've never been to mount rainier um i've been to around the Seattle area. I've been uh, to Vancouver, Vancouver Island, and looked over that thing, but I'm not, I have not skied or fished in, in Washington. Well, you're, wel you're welcome anytime. I'll tell you where the key is to my place. I don't get there as often as I, as, as I did because I got remarried and my wife and my job were back in here in Connecticut. My daughters were still in Seattle, so I would every 10 days go back mm -hmm. and forth. But now everybody got old. One graduated. One's in Europe right now. She went to London for a foreign study for Boston University. Right. Um, I'm just just giving just some family beat down here. You also have two total. Yep, and a dog, and that's that fills it out. And you know they're out of the house now. And Jamie and I uh, have uh, a life where we do our different things they don't really cross except when we're home that's when you know but uh 
she's obviously very active and she's on social media. I'm on no social media, which is, I think, I, I don't think I know anyone else that is not on social media, but I am not. And so I don't know a lot of things that people are doing, but it apparently it doesn't matter to me all that much. Yeah, you're not, I mean, you seem like a curious guy, but you choose where you want to be curious. And social media is not one of those places, apparently. No, that's the opposite. For me, that wouldn't be a good thing. I, I am curious, and I, I read a lot of books, and I play music, and I do a bunch of stuff, and uh, talk to people. And But uh, no, that's an area where I've decided that that's not going to help me really in any way. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I remember I wrote you back to thank you for that nice note about a year ago, I guess it was, May of 21. Mm-hmm. And... Of course, you know, my nature is then, all right, now pitch them on a project. And you wrote ni- you wrote back nicely, like, no, that sounds like it could go somewhere, the particular thing I was talking about, but I like to think of my own ideas. You like to be, yeah. you like to have it in your heart, if not borrow somebody else's. Yeah. How do you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I watch what you do, and that's, it's definitely your thing. You've got your stamp of what you do and the style of what you do. 
And what I do is uh, whatever it is I do, whatever you call that, you know, I've done it for 40 years or more. And uh, it, it comes from my head and then I do it. And yeah, so it's, it's just a separation, I guess. How do you, because you've chosen all sorts of different things to, and you should characterize it yourself, like I don't know, is it you're parodying these things or you're tributing them in a way, right? You're kind of, there's a fondness mm-hmm. for it while you sort of make fun of it at the same time. Is, is that a fair characterization? Well, I, I think it's semi-fair. I think it started at the National Lampoon, which uh, when the magazine first began, I started working for them and we started doing records and then eventually... Uh, I co-wrote a show with some of the people there and I wrote the music as well Uh, and it was I guess you'd call it parody eventually I I worked on a movie with Michael McKean, Harry Shearer and uh, Rob Reiner called This is Spinal Tap and it was uh, because we were musicians we could kind of go out there and actually do the thing that was parody and I think you're supposed to like those people they're not the smartest people in the world but you're supposed to like them and then the films I did after that I think you're supposed to like the people if you don't like the people then there's no point in doing it if they're just nasty idiots then there's there's no real point so I guess uh, I, I like looking at different areas and in, in our society other people's societies that I find mostly uh, things about people that are maybe pretentious, even they're not bad people, but they may think of themselves in a in an elevated way, I guess, maybe, you know. But how do you choose which one? Like you mentioned bowling, you're not, you, you would make an incredible funny film about bowling, I'm certain of it. How do you choose, hey, it's going to be about this this time. It's going to be about a dog show. Nope. Well, it, it really, you know, it really is, it, it, it almost doesn't matter. And I mean, it sounds weird to say that, but you could pick almost anything that people do and there are going to be interesting things about it. And the people are going to be interesting or not interesting, which can also be funny. Uh, you know, I, so it's, it's, it's almost like it could have a list of a hundred things and I could find something in there that would be turn out to be a, a movie. It doesn't have to be a, a kind of a pitch where you're saying, well, it, it's on, on the surface it sounds, oh yeah, that's gonna be funny because it's about people who do make shoelaces. You know, and you say, well, how, where, where does that go? Um, I don't know where that goes, but someone makes shoelaces and they have a life and they talk to each other about the ends of the shoelaces. I can't remember the name of those things. Someone will call in and say, because I, I actually looked it up and did research about shoelaces, and there's an entire website on shoelaces. And I thought, yeah, well, sure, okay. It's People would think that was stupid or they'd laugh, but I could figure out how to do something about that because they're passionate about that thing. I guess it's about passion, and people have passion for putting ship models in bottles or whatever they do. So I guess it's a wide-open area. Or fly fishing. <laughs> Or fly fishing. Yeah, I, I played a character in, in this movie. I did best sure. in show, and he was he tied flies. That guy. You don't. I, you see him do it for a minute. I think. He had the big, he had and, the cute dog um, in the in the car in the truck. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and and again, if someone looking coming into my home in my office where I have a, a fly bench tied, uh, you know, it's for tying, and they 
they would say, okay, well, I don't get this. You have this tiny little hook, which you can, it fits on a dime, and you're putting bird feathers on it. So what's the deal, you know? And I can, look, I can understand if that's not what you do, that that would seem weird as any hobby or, or anything else is, you know? It's, uh, so there's always something to find. It's, it's the attitude that the people have. If the people don't have any self-deprecation, if they don't have a sense of humor about that, then that's where you, that's where you can mine that, you know, that's where it's, to me, where it's funny. So related to fly fishing, but different. I grew up on a little lake south of Seattle called Star Lake. My dad bought it for $30,000 in 1964. That seemed like a lot of money. Um, But it was the coolest little place, two miles around. You know, I could run, get ready for football, and, and we could fish. We had trout, we had catfish, we had bass. My nephew, Troy, was born blind, and I used to take him mm. out doing fun things, and one of them was fishing, and we almost mm. never would catch anything. We'd sit at the end of the dock and make too much noise. Nothing would happen. So right. one day I decided I'm going to stop at Safeway and buy an already caught fish, put it on his line, and <laughs> pretend he caught it, and then he'll get the thrill of having caught a fish. Morally in the fishing universe, was that okay that I did that? <laughs> Ah, uh, wow. Putting more, the word moral in anything about fishing is a curious idea. Um, wow. I think you went a little deep on that. Uh, I think you were being a kind person. Uh, I don't know how it all turned out in the end. Um, I told him the truth later. It's similar to oh, when okay. my sister got contact lenses in you know seventh, eighth grade or whatever, and she lost them somewhere. Mm-hmm. So she stood at the end of the dock on a summer day, you know, a day or two afterward, having not admitted she'd lost her contacts, knowing that I would Mm -hmm. shove her in the lake, then she could blame it on me. And it's the exact same spot where the trout from from Safeway was caught or not caught. Well, obviously someone needs to do a biopic about your life, (laughs) as as I'm finding out. This is sort of like, uh, you know, a little psychology uh, podcast here. you get to pick, actually not, but someone gets to pick who plays you first as a young person, what we're going to call the dock years <laughs> when you're a little dock urchin and being a mischievous uh, guy, and then the middle years, as we call them, and then the present time. So you get to have three different actors, which you get to have casting sessions for. You get the Opie guy, you get the middle guy, and then you get the you now I like that. and that'll be fun for someone to do you know well, the part's yours if you want the the older years hey don't throw it on no 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 i'm just throwing it out there for you and you get to uh talk about it with your people as they well, say i don't have any people i've had agents before and it never worked out for me because i'd never quite trust what they were doing like hey did you do such and such now we, we're waiting for calls so i just have an attorney and me and right. I'm always selling, and right. I have zero pride. I have absolutely, first thing I tried to do was a commercial with Michael Jordan. He ended up saying no, but it sure was fun for those three days when it seemed like he might say yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's a complicated thing in show business, or, I mean, because technically you're really in that business as well in some sure. ways. And it, it's tricky. It's tricky because you can have managers, uh, agents, lawyers, multiple lawyers, and uh, 
it can get it can complicate the thing you're trying to do you know which is should be a pure sort of idea if you have an idea to to make a movie or a song or in your case a podcast or a show or whatever it is it can get in the way yeah somebody like you chris guest who's accomplished so much in the field you're in do you still have difficulty selling people on your next day? hey it's going to be about fly fishing it'll be really funny or do you self-finance? or you know, How do you get stuff out of the gate, I guess, is the best way to do it? Well, thank you, first of all. I, I have done what I've, whatever it is I do for a long time. I've been really, really lucky in my life because from the very early age, somehow someone let me do what I do the way I want to do it. And I have had control over what I do, and I haven't been put in a position where I have to go out and uh, bang on doors uh, so I get to do what I, I want to do. And that's a very enviable uh, position, obviously. So not to get into your business too much, are you saying you have a finance company that greenlights whatever the hell you say? No, or? N- no, no, no. Uh, no, I, I mean, just to give you an example, when I got when I worked at the Lampoon, uh, there were a bunch of us, and we were young people that were probably pretty just wise, wise-ass people. Uh, and they just said, do whatever you want. And so oh, we said, really? And they said, yeah, just so we wrote what we wanted. We did record albums. No one said, don't do that. They paid us. We had a, a radio show on 200 stations. Nobody said, don't do that. And then I, I wrote a show in New York, and nobody said, don't do that. And then... It's sort of just transmogrified, that may not even be a word, but into other things. So uh, when I did the movie uh, Spinal Tap with Rob Reiner, Norman Lear was his old friend, and he said, his company said, just just make this movie. No one would make the movie. They thought it was insane. (laughs) They said, well, why would you make a movie about this? And Norman Lear said to Rob Reiner, "Uh, yeah, just go ahead and make your movie. And when Rob Reiner started a company, Castle Rock, he said to me, do you have anything you would like to do? And I said, I do. And it was waiting for Guffman. He said, so go and make the movie. And I made the movie. And it's it's worked out that way for me. And it's not a typical thing, obviously. And I'm grateful that it has. I don't take it for granted that I'm able to, to do what I do and not have people uh, telling me how to do it. You said it in a really humble way. You've achieved so much in what people have said and allowed you to do. Hey, green light, do your thing. But man, that that's a rare story out there, is it not? It's incredibly rare. Yeah, it's it's unbelievably rare. There's not a day where I, I, I would take that for granted. Because for me, I, I mean, if someone had said early on, if I'd come up with an idea and they said, yeah, that's great, except let's make the person a, a captain in, in in the Marines and make the woman a woman that is in a circus. And I would say, well, that, but that's not how it works. And they'd say, well, guess what? It is how it works. I, I don't know really if I would have, I mean, I, I, I'm spoiled in a way because I've, I've gotten to do what I want to do. And ultimately, if people don't like it, it's my fault. <laughs> I mean, it's just out there. Not everyone likes it. That's okay. But it's it's my thing. It, it has my signature on it. It is my 
it is my thing. So, uh, yeah. I'm well, it's strange. You, you, I'm sure you don't wake up every day and deconstruct who you are and what you do. And how you, It's only when you're being interviewed and presented the question that you sort of analyze it. <laughs> and it was the same, yeah. not that they're on the same level by any means. But when I did SportsCenter, if somebody asked, well, what do you, how do you, I said, well, I sort of make fun of the fact I'm on TV while I'm on TV trying to do well. Is that? Well, you were, you were in a really bizarre situation. I mean, it turned out great for the people watching because you were one of that team of people for many years who did that thing, but there was always something just off center, obviously, and in your delivery and in your little scenes that you would create that you were in there, but you weren't in there. So you that was unusual, and that's what made it fun and made, made you stand out for me. I mean, because the other people are doing the thing that, you know, there, there are people who want to be doing sports, obviously tens of thousands of people on TV, and they develop a voice. And uh, there's this uh, routine that Kevin Pollack, the comedian, does. It's, it's a, a baseball guy doing, a, it's a radio thing of him doing a, <clears throat> an at-bat. And he does that voice that all these guys eventually adapt, you know, and especially, you know, there's a man on third base and there's a high fly ball out to deep left center field. Gonzalez is camped out under it. Well, that's the second out of the and, and you say, well, but why do they all have to talk like that? And uh, so to see someone uh, in that world be themselves is really, I mean, unusual, it's, it's, as you know. Well, I just try not to screw it up. Get the hockey guys' names right. Occasionally. Well, but you're uh, that—that's hardly the deal here. It's hardly about not screwing it up. You had a unique way. You do have a unique way of doing what you do, and it's appreciated by a lot of people because that's what stands out. Because in the midst of all the other stuff, um, you need to hear the sports news. You need to hear someone telling you what happened, but you sort of slid in there in a, in a way that was was different. I appreciated it a lot. I still do. You know. Okay, we got what we needed out of Chris Guest. Mark that supercut promo. And uh, <laughs> no, let's keep going because um, you just brought me to something when you were talking about getting the green light. I, I'm just still blown away by it. Not that you don't deserve it. Again, I'm not at all challenging your gift. It's just you hear these stories, even super accomplished directors, actors, and it, you find out it took nine years for them to get to go on such and such. That, that's crazy. Just you know, c- celebrate, yeah. celebrate your freedom. I well, guess. I, I well, I, I will say the diff- the difference is that if I was making movies like Avenger movies, if I was making movies, uh, you know, Batman or some two hundred million dollar movies, they would say, "Get out of here," or or and, and but I don't. That's not what I do, and so I, my projects are small projects relatively and in some fashion they they would say well you know what do we have to lose because it's we're not we're not spending a huge amount of money let him do what he wants to do uh, i guess uh, so uh that's part of it i'm reminded of a scene in uh for your consideration that speaks to i don't know if scorn is the right word you definitely have some cynicism about hollywood i'm guessing I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there's a scene where the show's going to be called Waiting for Purim, which 
uh, my Jewish friends told me is what, what did you guys describe as the eleventh most important Ju- home, home for home, Torah. I'm sorry, yeah. uh, and then but they didn't they change yeah. it because it would be more palatable yeah. to the wider audience sure. waiting for Thanksgiving or something yeah. in the, along those lines. Yeah, I yeah. mean that yeah. just that. Well, scene. I have I, I have this. I mean, it, it's a weird relationship because I've been allowed to do what I do. And yet I do see the other side of it in the world. My first movie is called The Big Picture, the first movie I directed. And it's about a young film student at a, at a film school, which I, I didn't go to myself. Uh, and he goes through that exact same thing where he has a meeting and the guy says, I love this idea. It's a beautiful idea. Can, instead of the couple, can you make it two women? And, <laughs> and the guy is so eager to, be in show business that he basically says yes and the guy says also you said it was in black and white that's not going to be a thing so we have to make in color um okay and he completely folds eventually he it, it comes around where he gets to do what he wants to do but it's that world of you know do you how badly do you do you want to do this then this is what you're going to have to do to to do that yeah so I, I don't know if it's cynical. I think it's reality, and I've been lucky. It's not as if I, I was you know banging around for forty years and not getting anything done. Or and for that for your consideration movie, which was about the awards system, uh, Hollywood awards, uh, I, I thought long and hard before doing it with Eugene Levy because I thought if if I'm a person where they'd say well oh sure he because he never won an award sure he's just bitter and he's doing this thing but I have won awards and I've lost awards and so I, I do know the the geometry of that I know that it it's you get roped into a real dangerous world when you're nominated for something your mind gets kind of twisted around in the phone call I referenced earlier in this program that you've forgotten um, you told me <laughs> the secret sauce, essentially, like, like I was basically trying to, Hey, am I doing it the right way? I was trying to say, here's how I do it. Is that close? And, and you ex- extrapolate and explain it further when you turn in a script, because so much of what you guys do extemporaneous, but it's not just, all right, let's have fun today. There's a plan going in. Can you describe the plan, how it is well, executed? The, yeah. Yeah. First of all, I mean, in in your case, when you said to me, uh, you know, how do you do something? Or you you do what you do. You know how to do what you do. You just have to keep doing it, and that that's what you do. In my case, no one understands how to do this except the people I get around me who do it because it's just not done. Which is, and I've explained this for a long time, and it's kind of a mysterious thing. Which is. Uh, in the case of working with Eugene Levy, uh, I, I typically would come up with an idea, whatever it is, the dog show thing, and then we would sit for you know three months working out this story, building, knowing who all these characters were, everything about their lives. You have 120 cards on a wall indicating every scene, what happens in every scene. And then uh, on the day, these are people who improvise. This is not a script where people then can throw in a word. This is full on improvisation based on all the facts that they have to know about what's happening in the scene. This is like saying to jazz musicians, okay, here's the, the melody, this is the melody, it's over the rainbow. 
It's in the key of G. You all know that. You establish a melody, and guys go off and take solos. Their, their solos aren't written down. No one says, well, wait a minute, how did you do that? And in music, when you're playing with other people, you can sit down and just play. And in a microsecond, you're just you're following the changes and you're playing, and no one, it's just a, it's a mystery. In the same way, when you do that uh, verbally, you know, and so there are scenes in movies that I've done where it, it, I go and go on for an hour if I if I wanted to. It's just a weird party trick or whatever you call it, but it's it's something those people are able to do. It's not something you can learn how to do. Sadly, you can't. You can go to an improv class, but that's not going to teach you how to do something in a movie. It's going to teach you how to work on the stage, which is, is a different thing. It's a different uh, skill, I think. So in a way, it's frustrating because I can't really explain uh, how I do what I do. I just sort of do it. There's more of a method to it than some people would know, I guess, is the bottom line. Oh, it, it's, it's um, it, it, of course. It, it's not just, well, let's go out there and mess around. No, that's why I'm saying that the amount of time, it takes longer to, to lay out what we've done than it does to write an actual screenplay, which I've also done. Uh, the same amount of work, the prep to do all of it is really intense. And without that, you don't have anything because then you just have this jagged thing. Plus, you need the people who can do it. And if you can't, if, if they can't do it, they can't do it. And then you don't, you just all go home. But it's, it's very green what you're doing. I mean, normal script is a, a minute per page, I believe. So you, you could knock it down to five or six well, pages. So you're saving the environment and making a good movie. I, I don't know if it's green. I mean, you, we have about a 30-page outline, and then you're shooting a lot of film. I mean, you end up shooting, or in, this, in these days, not film, but you end up shooting about uh, 40 hours of material, and you end up with uh, 82 minutes. Wow. So, it, uh, and then I spend a year and a half editing. So it's a very, it's just a different process. A lot of, lot of DVD yeah. extras. Sometimes. You know, yeah. the movie Trainwreck, Judd Apatow? I don't. Okay. LeBron James was in it. Um, Bill Hader was in it. Mm -hmm. So I was in it until I wasn't. I got this phone call. Hey, Amy Schumer brought your name up they want you to be in a scene in new york on wednesday and it's monday and i had just gotten divorced and i had my daughter and i said well i'll go if you'll fly my daughter to new york with me and they said yes right. so i fly back to new york right. i'm all excited it's judd apatow you know and, it's, and it was all there was no script he's like i want you pretend like you're hitting on amy schumer she's the girlfriend of bill Hader, who's the doctor he's getting an award right and and, and there's this big banquet and she's left alone and you're going to go up and hit on her I said, seriously, like, just do anything? So I, I came up with, are you a prostitute or a doctor's wife, or is there really a difference? Wow. And, and they cut that. I thought that was a good pickup. Like, I was supposed to be a bad guy. Like, I'm not a nice, I apologized to well, her afterward. I, I think it's too bad you didn't think of that when you met the queen, because that <laughs> would have really come in handy for that royal moment yeah with the queen we're at royal ascot and there was a hedge between us i was in the royal enclosure i had the top hat tails the whole thing and i started i was mic'd up and we're just recording my audio as though i'm having some dialogue with the queen who's like 12 feet away i went with pardon me but do you have any gray poupon from the old commercial some people got it some people didn't. sure yeah well i think kenny i think a part of you really belongs in that world 
So I think uh, that's why you uh, felt comfortable wearing that outfit and just being near royalty. I think that's just a part of who I'll, you are. Let's, you have to admit it to I'll yourself. I'll send you the picture. Don't beat yourself up about no, that. I, I felt pretty smart in that. It was just that everybody around me... Well, wait a minute. You, let's not get carried away. <laughs> you know, let, let's just let's keep it simple. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We're going to break for for one sentimental, more serious thing, the loss of Fred Willard. He was one of your guys. Like, how, how hard did that hit? There's, there's, there really are no words to describe how gifted Fred Willard was. I met him 50 years ago. He was in the first play that I was ever in in New York. And what he did was on a completely different level and I he was in virtually everything I did and he got to really do what he he does best and um, in this potential project that uh, I may be working on well I'm working on one but another one it's really difficult to think that he's not with us and and I'm able to call up and say I you know I hope you want to do this it's just a major, major loss. Yeah. He, he also never, I never met him. I'm friends with Jimmy Kimmel who worked with him a whole bunch and just couldn't stop talking about what a sweet man. He, he just had this, I saw an interview with him recently where he was just describing kind of how you guys did stuff and the same process mm-hmm. that you had described earlier here. There's just yeah. a kindness to him, it seemed like. Well, it, it just in, in terms of his, uh, he was a sweet man but his level of ingenuity uh, was just on another plane and i'm grateful that i got to do so many things with him yeah we definitely i don't want to say stole we borrowed everybody borrows from each other to some degree if you like what somebody does like you know stevie wonder 
did what he did, and there's a whole bunch of people that later kind of like, oh, that's a good sound. I'll kind of get in that neighborhood, right, in music. And we, Katie Nolan and I, I think I sent you the clip, we got to do the dog show in Philadelphia this past November. We obviously right. were, you know, doing our best to do what you guys did in, in Best in Show. And it was so fun. Mm-hmm. Additionally, because we had no school, we just went. We just turned on the mic, so let's start talking, see what happens, and we overshot it too. But those people that we met were exactly yeah. what was in your movie. Well, that's the whole thing. It has to be based, that kind of work has to be based on reality, otherwise there's no point in, in, in doing it. Yeah. You talked about over... Now, I, I, sh- I have one more thing sure. to say. Well, not one more Several. thing. But we're getting near the time... Really? where I have to go and do it, I have an appointment, and I didn't want to just cut you off in the middle of something, but to let you know that there's about um, six more minutes. Chris Guest with the warning flare, the six-minute mark left in this. Well, I thought it was it was kinder to say that than in the middle of one of your uh, eloquent things about your your life on the dock that I would just say I'm out. Uh, nice to see you, uh, or just hear the mic drop. Basically. Either way, we we're just happy to the time that we've had. But I'm going to burn all six minutes if you're okay with that. We're down to five and a half. Um, sure. <laughs> so I know a guy who knows a guy who was the camera operator for Bill Clinton's first interview after he'd left the presidency, and he was okay. speaking at some event. They got a one-on-one with him. After they were done and they thank him and he leaves, they realized the camera operator had hit the button twice, turned it on and turned it off, and all they had were color bars. And I tell that story because you had mentioned you guys overshoot and you get the best stuff and you grab that one scene. Did you guys ever do something that you're just like, oh, my God, I've never seen anything better than that, and then find out something went bad, the audio was bad, something went bad? Well, in the world of uh, it happens in it happened in film because we would shoot in Super Sixteen, which people don't do anymore. But uh, Sixteen or Super Sixteen is is a very uh, vulnerable format because uh, you can get a hair in the gate, literally a human hair, and they would always check the gate. If there was a hair in the gate, it's a mechanism, sure. a, a movie check camera as opposed to digital. You it was done. You're you're done. Uh, I had the, f- the digital version of that happen. We were shooting in London uh, with Chris O'Dowd, and uh, uh, I said, a cut. And the cameraman looks at me and gives me this bad look because you would always check the media file, these little things. And it's just gone, gone forever. There's no way to, you know. So that's horrible because that will never be done the same. It's not repeated. The, the actors won't do it the same way. It could be as good, but it may not be. So it's it's really sad, yeah. How about the deal where directors, you do it perfectly like seven times in a row, and then they are right, one more. I was like, dude, we already did seven perfect. Is it just maybe you do one more that's slightly better than the perfect you thought was perfect? Is that why you asked for another well, one? Well, it, it would be unfair to say because different directors have different ways of sure. working. Personally, I, I do probably two takes at the most if you're in the area where you're doing seven or eight takes there's you should call the police basically clint Clint eastwood does no takes he goes there he yeah zero takes well look he knows what he wants to do he he does a thing and he, he but there are people who do 30 takes shooting three cameras and that's a problem i think you know you know i don't know 
why they can't get to what they need to, but uh, that's none of my business. If you had a dollar for every time somebody referenced Take It to 11 from Spinal Tap, you'd have a lot of money. That's been so um, used. Well, yes, I, it's true. Uh, it's in the Oxford Dictionary as a thing, whatever they, they call it, as a saying. It's it's true. Yeah, that that has become just a thing in in the world. It's out there in every way people reference. And I, maybe people don't even know what it refers to. I, I, I guess it's just its own thing now. But it's uh, I get that a lot. I get that a lot, yeah. Would you like to take one nomination for something that you could parody or whatever it is we call what you do? Would I take a nomination just listen. You don't have from to you? Take it. You just, just uh, uh, acknowledge it. Well, acknowledge it as in I literally heard it? No, I'm going to nominate it. That's a great idea. I'm going to nominate it. The, the, world, uh, the world of wiffle ball plastic ball and bat, yellow skinny bat, and people have sure. these tournaments yeah. all over the country and they are really, really into it. Yeah. Well, they they, they should be. You know, it, as I was saying, it's like anything else. It, it could be a, a, a thing. They take it really seriously, uh, as do people who, you know, paint those tiny little railroad figures <laughs> that people use when they collect model trains. So somebody's taking a little plastic person that's waiting for the train station on a bench and they're using these micro brushes and painting a mustache on a person's face that's a eighth of an inch high and then they're blowing on it no disrespect and then they're putting it on the little bench and then the train goes by and that's a good day it matters to them so there you go something that matters greatly to somebody there's something more behind it about the person and, and their ethic toward it. Um, because I believe we're down to our last minute, my, my good friend Matt Doyle, yep. I called him excited, guess who I get to interview today? And he always made fun of me because on our NFL stories, I used to do these pretend football stories every Sunday, and they were basically skits with mm-hmm. NFL players. We'd tell them what to say a few times. Better guys kind of knew how to do it in the moment. And I always say, yeah, right. like like a Chris Guest, like we want the dead air thing. Like dead air is funny. That's where, you know, the script doesn't read funny. It'll be yep. funny later, okay? And so he yep. said, ask him this. You were charged, me, every week going out and doing funny little silly stories with these NFL players. How would Chris Guest have handled that assignment? You're going to the Patriots. You're going to the Seahawks. You're, you're making up three and a half minutes. Well, the, the, the weird thing about that is in 1976, me and and Bill Bill Murray went down to the Super Bowl in Miami, and no one knew who we were because we weren't anybody then, if we if we're anybody now, and we interviewed uh, the players. Uh, so it was the Cowboys and and the Steelers, and I interviewed Johnny Unitas, and he was looking at me like I don't know what the hell is going on here, and it was I think you can actually find it on YouTube. It's really bizarre. It's, it's just, uh, we did a whole documentary that nobody saw, I guess. But So that is sort of the answer to that. We end this podcast with a note about Johnny U, Johnny Unitas. Um, this was an honor and a privilege, whatever it is you're working on next. I hope that's great, and I hope you do many more. And I hope all of this is great for you because you deserve it. Thank you, sir. Go to your meeting. Uh, it was truly a privilege. Thank you. 
Okay, thank you, Kenny. Bye. Hey, Maine is a production of me, Kenny Maine, and Odyssey. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen. Our executive producer is Jody Avergan. And our executive producer for Odyssey is Lena Glazer. Social media support by Joey Capone. If you like our show, please rate us, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe.